Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world, you get in four minutes. We start things off in Foxborough, Massachusetts. History has happened. The Patriots are officially looking for a head coach. Bill Belichick took the Patriots job in 2000, and now after meeting with owner Robert Kraft, it's being labeled as the two sides are mutually parting ways. There have been 213 head coaching hirings since the last time the New England Patriots were looking for a head coach. Also in the NFL, Pete Carroll is out as the Seattle Seahawks head coach. And a multi, like $11 billion industry is the NFL. And yet they offered buyouts to 200 NFL employees. What, what, penny pinching in the league office? College football news, huge shocker yesterday that's now been replaced by the Bill Belichick news. Nick Saban has retired from this from Alabama. Therefore, in the last 24 hours, Nick Saban and Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick are all unemployed. Basically a run-on sentence from head coach Frank Vogel, but it was pretty strong. Quote, I believe we are going to be dominant and we are going to get it and it's going to come. Well, if they're going to start their dominance, it would be good to start tonight. They take on the Los Angeles Lakers coming up tonight. They're in L.A. and it is the first time that Frank Vogel is the head coach of the Suns and everyone is healthy. The entire regular season lineup, as predicted to start the season, is supposed to play tonight for the first time. Tip-off at Staples, or whatever it's called, Crypto.com, is at 8 o'clock. Coyotes are right now one point behind Edmonton and Seattle for the last playoff spot. Edmonton has the tiebreaker. However, the Coyotes are only one point ahead of St. Louis and Calgary. So right in the thick of it, who do they play? That's right, Calgary tonight in Tempe, face-off 7 o'clock. ASU looking good. 4-0 right now in the conference despite a very poor non-conference season. Now this is a major test coming up tonight. They're on the road in Seattle. They take on UW. UW is only 1-3 in the conference. However, their deficits in those games, very minimal. Less than 5 points in all 3 losses for an average of only 4.3 points a game. Bobby Hurley, what do you see from UW? I think, uh, I think they're a really good team, really good offensive team, you know, average 81 points a game. Uh, you know, they have quality non-conference wins versus Gonzaga and Xavier. And, you know, they're one and three in the conference, but all those games are very close games. The two of them are on the road in the mountains, which is not an easy place to play. Unlike most games that you travel to in the Pac-12, ASU is headed home after the game. They don't have the matchup with Washington State, so they won't be going to Pullman. Tip-off tonight at 9 o'clock. A lot more college basketball news. The day after number one and number two both lost on the road, 
listen to this. Number three, Kansas lost in Central Florida last night. Sorry, Jeff. Number five, Tennessee lost to Mississippi State. Number nine, Oklahoma lost to TCU. And number 11, Marquette lost to Butler at home. And finally, meet Ruben Alvarez. I butchered the man's name. That's Ruben Almarez. Ruben is a homeowner in Fresno, California. All he was doing is went out to check the mail. 20 yards away, a car ran a stop sign. When the car got plowed into, look out, Ruben! I can't say what I was thinking, but I was um, to lighten it up, I was like, oh, shoot. And like, get out of the way. Uh, honest to God, truth, thought it was going to hit me. Jackpot Unplugged Army. I feel like a true commander in chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to unplugged at whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tea time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off, plus 15% off at Civlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls, a shirt, and a hat. You walk over for happy hour with your wife. You might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime. Or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com and feel the wind. I'm Janelle, General Manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. The Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky-tonk brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. This is not, well, this is, no, this is not fake enthusiasm right now. I mean, I had a gift one of the most precious commodities you can possibly give in your life was given to me yesterday. You, Unplugged Army, carried me yesterday. I got you today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone and your TV every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Merck. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Hopefully, hopefully, you could not tell yesterday. I don't know what it was. Yesterday, I was just absolutely exhausted. Just, it was like, okay, everything was shutting down. And you, as a member of the Unplugged Army, I fed off of your energy and did what I could. You still got my best. 
But the bar was pretty low for, for me yesterday. Today, I am unbelievably jacked up, and, and the reason is this never happens to me during the week. I sleep a lot on Saturdays, but oh my gosh, yesterday was amazing, okay? Um, got done, I got the podcast posted around 9 o'clock, sent out some social uh, media tweets and posts on Instagram, talked to Jeff Weir Production for a little bit, and then uh, talked to CEO Chris, and then boom, out the door. I had a uh, happy hour meeting yesterday, and I was just so exhausted that I, I, I knew that the week, sometimes it, I just hit the wall. It just happens. You know, two hours of sleep, four hours of sleep a day, it just cuts them out up, and boom, that's it. There's nothing left. So I went home, got back home at about 10 o'clock in the morning, laid down, and slept all the way from 10 o'clock until 3 o'clock, got up, went to happy hour, got home. Uh, watched two NBA games, read a bunch of articles, took notes, got to bed by like 9.30 or 10, which never happens, and then slept from 10 o'clock until 3.30. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. How about you, Jeff? We're production. When did you get to bed last night? Well, I got to bed late last night. I, I didn't get to bed till around 8 o'clock or so. And when did you get up? Um, I started waking up at around three. See that the thing about you is that's still a huge chunk of sleep. The problem for you, you could make that work easily, but I bet you screw it up on weekends. I bet you go to bed like a normal human on weekends, and then because you want to be up and around on weekends, now your sleep cycle's all jacked up. So you probably have. Do you have that weird headache that just sits right in the front of your head all the time? No. Oh, you're good then. You're good. Every once in a while, I'll get a headache. But. Yeah, yeah. I I live in this perpetual, like, there's a headache that just sits here. It's like not a whole head. It's just here. And it just it just doesn't go away, except for on vacation. It does go away on vacation. Because then I do, a lot of, I do a lot of sleeping on vacation. But remember, a vacation is when you go and celebrate something. That's different than when there's in-laws involved. That's a trip. So everyone says, oh, how was your Christmas vacation? I didn't go on a Christmas vacation. I went on a trip. There were in-laws. That's the difference, if you didn't know. Um, so sleep is jacked up. Uh, my happy hour went unbelievably well. So back-to-back days, Unplugged Army, where I can't thank you enough for your support, where I had high-level meetings with people that could be game-changers for us. Just really excited. Now, I was the, – the meeting yesterday, it was point-blank. It might be more of a long-term agreement, but nothing in the short term. But, man, it was it was so cool because the guy I met with just became a friend. I mean, very, very quickly became a friend. Uh, he wasn't afraid to talk about God and Jesus, and I, I, I don't push that upon you, but I enjoy – talking to somebody that's not afraid about it either and then uh great food or great we, we didn't have like dinner but we had snacks just a wonderful conversation so i had a great time yesterday so i was jacked up about that then i get home and i find out the big news jeff Weir production you might not be aware of this but there is earth shattering news today huge do you know what it is i think it could be a number of things nick saban bill no. belichick no Okay, then no. Okay. White Castle is coming to Goodyear. I don't want to hear about White Castle. Wait until Crystal comes. Yeah, that's it, Southern boy. Now, come on. If you don't know what 
Jeff Weir Productions is talking about. There's this institution called White Castle. And then some guy in the South says, well, I'm going to call it Crystal, do the same thing. That's all it is. And they're not as good. No. You're right. They're not as good. They're better. No, that's, that's terrible opinion. Terrible opinion. Um, for me, for me, I you know what? It's funny. A lot of people have will go nuts on me on this. I have never been to In and Out Burger, ever. I've heard like the people that love In and Out Burger, you just go crazy. They go crazy. I have never been there. Um, when I fast food for me, I like the the Popeyes chicken sandwich. I like Wendy's chicken sandwich. I like the Wendy's baconator, and I like White Castle. And that's that's really about it. Now, I think everybody has a good feeling about McDonald's fries from time to time. But you know, who has great Wendy's has good fries, but Rallies. Have you ever been to Rallies? Rallies has fantastic fries, absolutely fantastic fries. But I don't like seasoned fries that that much. Yeah, the like Rallies the, are seasoned. That's uh, true. Five Guys burgers and fries they have good seasoned yeah. fries. This isn't fast food, but you're going to think I'm sucking up, but I'm not. But think about how many times I've eaten there. The French fries at 100 Mile Brewing Company and French fries at Bell's. Two totally different things, but they are fantastic. Fantastic. I don't understand sweet potato fries, though. Like, I don't like sweet potatoes, so I don't want them to turn it into a fry. And yeah, I also don't understand if you try to act like you're being healthy, then why are you getting something that's either fried or not? I'm sure somebody's going to well, actually, sweet potato fries, we dip those in this kind of oil. Like, I don't care. It just seems weird to me. Like, hey, I'm going to eat healthy and get this type of French fry. It's just, But again, I don't, I don't understand it. And you can tell I don't pretend to be healthy. This T-shirt today is a gift from the mother-in-law, and this is... This is blatant video abuse. I just want to be blunt. This T-shirt is so crazy comfortable, and yet it's kind of form-fitting, which is not a good idea at this age. So if I stood up, the paw print oh, wrong. Man, I haven't done that in a while. I'm looking at the right side of the screen. The right side of the screen's right there. Ah, happens every time. Uh, not every time I started to get good at it. It's like if I just do a quick reaction and I don't think about it. But the paw, oh, I'm still off. Where there it is. The paw print that's kind of more middle than I realized. Now that I, it doesn't look middle on the screen, but it's middle on the shirt. The paw print, if I stand up, somehow gets larger, and Leon is getting larger. I mean, it's just it's weird how that happens in this shirt. So I can't stand, uh, I can't stand up in the shirt. But man, it's it's wonderfully comfortable. All right. Where's the White Castle going, by, by the way, in Goodyear? Um, Bullard in the 10. Uh, okay. if, if for those of you that are Westsiders, it's like, oh, boom. Okay. Uh, we have uh, – it's, it's exciting because we, we, have, we have chains. All we have at Goodyear is chains, and we're working towards getting, like, real-life restaurant restaurants. Uh, we, need, we need a Burrito Express. I got to tell you. I'm, I'm staring at you, Angel. Do you know, Angel, last week I went to Filiberto's? Now, it was a Monday, and Jennifer reminded me she's singing with the Phoenix Symphony that night. So I didn't have time to make something dinner-wise, so I just swung right through Filiberto's. And the whole time I'm there, I'm thinking, I would like Burrito Express. We don't have one on the west side. Angel, let's go. Now, he has told me for years he would love to come to the West Side, and all he needs is somebody to put up 100% of the franchisee and run it themselves. 
How much money you got, Jeff? I got, I've got a couple dollars. Okay. Good. We're, we're there then. All right. Jeff will chip in two. Uh, I do have a 20 right now. So we're at 22. Uh, Izzy, if you want to throw in, uh, we need to uh, open our own Burrito Express on the west side. A sound credits today, Sun's YouTube channel. We got stuff from the Sun Devil Sources YouTube channel. That crazy video of Ruben Amarez is from ABC. What's well, really from his home security camera. But the uh, video that, of him being interviewed, that's from ABC30.com in the Fresno area. And I think that's it. Anything else in life going on, Jeff Weir Production? No, sir. That's it. All right. Let's roll. Doug's Big One. Doug's big one today is the ever going on debate that you're going to hear about a lot today. And I don't know why we can't just settle on this. I am not being middle of the road. I am not being soft. Belichick and Brady both get equal credit for the Patriots. One didn't make the other. Belichick and Brady get the credit. Today, breaking news this morning, and when I say this morning, I mean it was literally about 45 minutes ago that the news broke, so that is a little bit, it was about 7.45 in the morning Eastern time this morning that it was announced that there's a mutual parting between the Patriots and Bill Belichick. Number one, I actually believe that. The they're being, That's being labeled a, a mutual parting in Seattle, I think that's a bold-faced lie. That's a lie. That's not a mutual parting. Pete Carroll is sitting there saying, I'm full of energy. I'm ready to go. You know, unless he's in total denial about life and doesn't want to accept that he's done in life, you know, and he's getting old and he doesn't have the energy. This is a lie that it was a mutual parting. That makes no sense in Seattle. If if Pete Carroll's going to run around acting like he still wants to coach and Seattle doesn't want him to coach, that's not a mutual parting. So he's out. The Patriots situation, I totally believe it was a mutual parting. And the reason why I believe that is I believe he was in discussions with Robert Kraft. And I bet Robert Kraft wanted to see changes made in the way Bill Belichick does things. And I'm, I am not reporting this, and I don't have a source in the Patriots. I have friends who either cover the Patriots or friends who are involved heavily in covering the NFL. So that's not a source when you text friends in the media. Okay, let's be clear on that. But in some of the texts going back and forth and some of the thoughts that I have had throughout the year, I think it's really simple that the Patriots wanted for the first time in years someone to oversee the president the vice president bill belichick not necessarily the coach some teams have an agreement where you have a general manager and you have a head coach but truthfully the head coach is in charge of the roster that's a bill belichick situation bill belichick in a sense hires his own general manager other teams are a little different where the head coach is totally in charge of who makes the team, but the general manager is in charge of the contracts and the players that he goes after. And the GM is still the boss, but it's the coach that really handles the cuts. Other times it's more mutual, and then at other times the general manager is is in charge of everything, and the coach, you just coach the players I give you. It, it rotates around. Every team is a little bit different. 
I am betting that Robert Kraft wanted to see dramatic changes to the personnel department. Bill Belichick has been very poor in the last few years at running a draft. And I totally believe that that's what the Patriots wanted, is they were willing to keep Bill Belichick if a lot of changes were going to happen in the personnel department. And Bill Belichick, I don't think either A, was going to accept any of those changes, or Bill Belichick wasn't going to accept the number of changes or the final say. Maybe he had to give up final say, and he wasn't willing to do that. And so I do believe this is mutual. We want you to coach under these circumstances. I don't want to coach under those circumstances. Therefore, you're not the coach anymore. So now what happens? Well, Doug's big one is, before I move into the Patriots in the future, Doug's big one is specifically, don't get wrapped up into the Belichick versus Brady argument. It's Belichick and Brady. Belichick was the one that did something that a lot of people in that time frame always said you can't do, in which he had Drew Bledsoe starting quarterback get hurt. Brady came in and played three games better than what than what Drew Bledsoe was playing at the level at that level. And then instead of doing the cheesy, well, you can't lose your job due to injury. Bill Belichick made the difficult decision of we're a better team when Brady's quarterback. I'm going with Brady. That's not on Tom Brady. That means I'm taking the, the, the arrows here. I'll shield you. You just go play quarterback. And then Bill Belichick created the culture that said this is how it's going to be. He created the offense with the offense coordinator. He signed the players. Tom Brady then bought in. And as Tom Brady proved to be a better and a better and a better leader, it allowed Bill Belichick to no longer be the coach that polices the locker room. If you're a coach that polices the locker room, you're probably not a winning team. Players need to police the locker room. And Brady was outstanding at it, empowered by Belichick. So Belichick gets the, all the credit in the world for creating that atmosphere and actually freeing up uh, Brady to be a great quarterback. And Brady gets all the credit in the world for basically taking over all levels of player accountability and leadership. So Belichick only had to do one thing, and that is go get great players. And that's why a Randy Moss is a head case somewhere else and amazing in New England. Do you remember Corey Dillon? Pretty good with Cincinnati, became a head case with the Bengals. He's outstanding with New England. And then when he stops being outstanding, boom, you're gone. LeGarrette Blunt. There were so many different characters that towed the line when they got to New England. That's a credit to the culture of Bill Belichick and a credit to the leadership of Tom Brady. Two things are where I think Belichick should be ripped for. Number one was his inability to adapt as Tom Brady changed. A lot of people like to say the game has passed Bill Belichick by. You know full well that person's an idiot if they say that. No, it hasn't. The game did not pass Bill Belichick by. He doesn't have a quarterback. He screwed up royally by deciding in year two of Mac Jones's tenure that we're going to hire, we're going to move a defensive coach into the offensive coordinator position when he's never called an offensive play in his life. Now, I don't know if Mac Jones is a good quarterback or a bad quarterback, meaning, how should I say that? Because he's bad now. 
I think they screwed up Mac Jones royally. I think Mac Jones would have been a good quarterback, and he's never been able to overcome the ignorance of that decision by Bill Belichick. Now, I could easily be wrong, and Mac Jones is the reason why the offense looked bad. Okay, Or Mac Jones, if he's really a good quarterback, he would have done fine last year when he had a good offensive coordinator again, and he didn't. So if you're really going to be a good quarterback, can you really be tainted goods? That's a fair argument against mine. But I say Mac Jones, now when I say good, I'm not talking Hall of Fame, win multiple Super Bowls, how do we know that? But I think he would have been a good quarterback, and in the most important year that you have as a quarterback, you have a change in offensive coordinator and you don't even hire one. That's, that's not good. That's on Bill Belichick. Idiotic decision. The personnel decisions over the time of Tom Brady were very interesting. Because Brady was so great, Belichick was able to get away with having inferior weapons for the most part on offense so he could build a fantastic defense. And Belichick was very good at it. Once he lost that piece with Brady, then you see him falling on his face in a lot of other picks. Everything that's occurred now did not need to happen if Bill Belichick would have adjusted, not to the game, but to Brady. When you have a guy that's a quarterback at 32, 35, 38, 40, 41, that's an adult grown man. Life has changed. And you picking at the scab of being draft pick number 199 every day, that got a lot out of Tom Brady. But after a while, Bill, it was old. You thought you were treating him the same as everybody else, and therefore, that made it a great culture. You were right for about 10 to 15 years. But you didn't accept the fact that for the first time in history, we got a player that can actually keep themselves in the shape that's needed to play 20 years at a high level. You needed to adjust to keep the quarterback. You failed at that, and that's why your tenure ends in a not-so-glorious way. But I, you don't separate the two. Now, a lot of people will throw in my face, well, if that's true, then how did Brady win a Super Bowl without Belichick? You're right, he won without Belichick. But that makes an assumption that he wouldn't have won with Belichick. And I believe that you're not, if you believe that, you're not giving credit to the man Belichick helped create in Tom Brady. Tom Brady was able to come in, and from the things I've been told, guess what he did in Tampa Bay? He basically ran the team like he was running New England, like the way Bill Belichick taught him to run a team. That's still, Bill Belichick gets the credit. I mean, look at yourself for a second. Do you have anybody that you like to mentor? Is there anybody in your life that you really appreciate and you want to see grow, or the exact opposite? Somebody that taught you immeasurable things in your life. Don't you give credit to that? Sure, it's your work ethic. You get the credit for everything that you accomplished. Yet at the same time, don't you acknowledge you learned from somebody a lot, and if it wasn't for some of those lessons, you wouldn't be as successful? Well, that guy still should get credit. The more and more success you get doesn't start to take away credit from the people that taught you those things. And aren't you proud when you look at somebody that's either your subordinate or younger than you that you've helped in the past, and you see them doing some of the things you've taught, and you see them finding success? Don't you have a sense of pride? That's why I say Montana, yes, he had a nice run with the Chiefs 
and almost got to a Super Bowl. Almost. But it's still Bill Walsh and Joe Montana. They created that magic together. He had the quarterback that fit his system perfectly, and he had and the quarterback had a coach that was great at educating everybody and creating weapons and Montana being able to execute. It's okay. Sometimes we don't have to separate. Now the future, it is unbelievable to sit here this morning and think Pete Carroll, Nick Saban, and Bill Belichick are all without jobs. And I saw on Twitter yesterday, somebody posted a little article in, the, in a Columbus newspaper that announced that it was something like, it was in 1980, and I can't remember who left and who arrived, but the secondary coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes was Nick Saban. He was leaving to take a defensive coordinator job somewhere. Or no, I think he was leaving to be a linebacker's coach, possibly uh, in the NFL. And a young man named Pete Carroll was coming in to Ohio State as the secondary coach. So Pete Carroll actually replaced Nick Saban at Ohio State, or I've got it backwards, and it was Pete Carroll that left and Nick Saban came in. Well, I thought that was pretty funny. And then, of course, I think most of you know, but in case you don't, Nick Saban was actually a coach in Cleveland, the linebackers coach in Cleveland, when Bill Belichick was there. And a lot of my opinions on Bill Belichick have been formed, I admit, by inside stories from Wolf. You can imagine all of those years on the old show, I'm sitting there during breaks and we're talking to, uh, to each other, or we interviewed Bill Belichick three times on, on the old show. And the way Wolf talks about the preparation of Bill Belichick and the way he talked about playing for him in that year in Cleveland and how he said he, it didn't matter whether we won or lost, he felt more prepared for every game. And he said, we weren't a very good team talent-wise, and almost every game we won was because of the coaching of Bill Belichick. And, and that level of preparation that everything he told us to do, if we did it, we won, and if we either did it wrong or tried to do it right and the other man across from us was better and we couldn't get our job done, we lost. But Belichick did the right things. And just hearing that, and then you see, of course, the results on the field as soon as he gets a quarterback, it's great. Now, I've talked to other people in the NFL, current coaches. Some of them have been coordinators. They kind of disagree with me on that, just to give you a little bit of flavor. Meaning, when I talk about the greatness of Belichick, they will be the ones that say, he's got Brady. You don't understand, this game is not hard when you've got the quarterback. It's all about the quarterback. And coaches talk like that all the time. I kind of feel like that's a cop-out sometimes. That way you can blame your GM on whether or not he got you a quarterback. At the same time, there's been some great quarterbacks that never won a Super Bowl. So is that the coach's fault? Is that the general manager's fault? If it's always about the quarterback, then why didn't you win? Why didn't you win? You know, And you go down the line. Or why didn't you win more games? Namely, Pete Carroll at State Farm Stadium not knowing to hand the ball off to Marshawn Lynch. Things like that. Now, granted, Pete Carroll did win a Super Bowl. Remember when they blew out the Broncos? That was the, uh, I forget which number that was, but that was the Super Bowl that the first offensive play was the snap from center before Peyton Manning was ready. <laughs> I mean, you've got two weeks to get ready for the game. And the first play, oh boy, somebody's scared to death of that defense. So now what's going to happen? 
obviously the New England job is a strange job in the sense of you are following who could be the greatest coach of all time. Super Bowl 48, by the way. Oh, my gosh. You're like lightning. Thank you very much. Super Bowl 48. You're following a guy who could be the greatest of all time, but the expectations for right now are low. You are working for a guy that's considered one of the best, if not the best, owners in the NFL. If you don't know the story, Robert Kraft owns Gillette, or used to own Gillette. I don't know how much he still owns it, how many shares or anything like that. But he was a season ticket holder. He was just a hardcore season ticket holder and hated the direction of the franchise and was kind of courted by the NFL because he's a Massachusettsian. I don't know what, if Massachusetts, I don't know what they are, and, and decided, okay, fine, I'll buy the Patriots. Well, then once you get Brady and Belichick, boom, you're considered a great owner because you've got great stability. We have no idea whether or not it's truly a very stable job, especially one when they've got quarterback issues. But it looks unbelievably attractive. The knock on it is, of course, Foxborough. Foxborough is a small town south of Boston, and it's not a wonderful place to live in the sense of like city amenities, something like that. So, But it's easier to focus. It's just only about football when you're there. The Alabama job, possibly the number one job in all of college football. Who's going to go there? Um, I wonder if that's Mike Norvell's job right now. Former Arizona State offensive coordinator. I could see that being a Mike Norvell situation, and the reason why is you're recruiting at Florida State, so you already have all of the recruiting and tang- recruiting established uh, connections and all of the relationships with high school coaches. Advantage there. You're young and incredibly experienced. That's not that. That's pretty rare to have been a, such a young offensive coordinator, got the job at Memphis, went to Florida State, and the beginning of his Florida State tenure, unbelievably rocky. He got close to getting fired. And yet now is an, leads an undefeated team that gets uh, cut out of the playoffs before it actually begins for him. So you, he's already done it, and he's already taken a program that was down and built it back up. How's he going to do that builds a program that's up and a playoff team and being able to take that over? That seems awesome. And to be young, you can keep him there for a long time. So I, I think the position is Mike Norvell's. Now I am going to throw out a name that I don't, I know it's not going to be, but how do you not think that Greg Byrne, the G, uh, the uh, AD at Alabama, who left U of A to take the Bama job, wouldn't call U of A? Say, hey, Jed Fish, what are you thinking? Is Jed Fish the hottest commodity? No, not in any way, but I, I just I find it um, a little interesting. Now, some of the people that I have reached out to that really know um, – college football in the SEC and no Alabama because I I lived there for five years. I got reasonably close to different things, but it has been so long that I just have friends that are still around. And a lot of the sources that I had aren't really as close as they used to be. Does that make sense? I mean, so they could make a call and find somebody out, but they're mostly uh, just uh, uh, kind of guessing. 
But another name that was thrown out to me a lot was Dan Lanning, the head coach at Oregon. And they say, what better name than you get exactly what I just said, a young guy, he's got some southern coaching ties, but he's proven it at so many different levels, and he has an exciting offense. And a lot of people think Dan Lanning's going to be named the head coach in the next 48 hours or so. I don't have a source in on that, but um, that's interesting. And then you could kind of go, this one is interesting. You know who's about as established as you can possibly get all about Alabama, but you could probably get pretty easy? Dabo Sweeney. Dabo is a Bama guy. He's from he's from the same county, I think, where Kevin uh, Guy is, the head coach of the Rattlers. And he is a guy that went to Bama, and he's a guy that respects Bama, and it's not and the way Clemson fans were turning on him this year, man, he would jump at that job, I think, in a heartbeat. And he probably believes the ACC is dying or already dead. So I think he would jump ship. And then if you're Alabama, is that flashy? How weird is it to hire a two time national champion that's not flashy? Like that doesn't that make no sense? Yet why else what else would you want? An Alabama grad who loves the school, who probably is very available, who's a two-time national – he's got more national championships than any other coach that you're going to hire that's competition for the position. He's perfect. Yet, does Alabama fans get crazy? I don't think they get excited. Wait, Dabo – Dabo's been going straight downhill at Clemson. Why do we want him? Everybody feels like they want an up-and-comer. Uh, I think Dabo would be a great hire. I do believe it's going to be Dan Lanning, but that's not any sources. That's just people yapping to me that aren't really sources, and it made a lot of sense. But I also think Mike Norvell gets an interview or a talk. Eh, maybe not an interview. Maybe back-channel conversation if the back-channel conversation with Dan Lanning doesn't go great. But if you're Dan Lanning, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Because Oregon's in a weird spot. They're only going to get about 30% of the money from the Big Ten. All the big money for the Big Ten. Now, they still got Phil Knight. They've still got a lot of booster money. But they're, it's going to be a weird travel schedule, I think, uh, just looking at it, how often they're going back east. It makes sense to me that this is a perfect time for Dan Lanning to leave. And does anybody get the feeling this could become an ugly time for Oregon football? If Lanning leaves, and Oregon's a good job, good job, but now you're in this scenario where I think you try to negotiate a deal with Oregon State to keep playing the Civil War. They do on a short term, but they haven't negotiated anything long term. You're going to have a game against UWSC and UCLA probably every year. But you've got a lot of games on the East Coast that you've got to go back for. So travel's going to be a lot harder. And... I don't really th – I mean, Oregon recruits nationally, but it's not like you're going to be able to drop right into the Midwest and just be plucking guys out because, hey, we're Big Ten. Still a long trip. This could be one of those moments where be careful what you wish for. I'm really interested – and I, I got to admit, I'm rooting terribly against Oregon, UW, UCLA, and USC. I want to, I want to see all four totally fall on their face as they go to Big Ten. All right, I yapped way too much on this it just a lot of thoughts coming out to me today when Saban's been there 17 years Pete Carroll's been there 14 years and uh, Bill Belichick has been there I believe 20, well 
He started in 2000. And you got to remember to count the O. It's easy to do math, to do the math and forget the O. So it would be 24 years that it, you don't subtract 23 from zero and say it's 23 because then you're not counting the O. You're not counting that zero year. So it's 24 years that he's uh, been the head coach. What a dramatic change in the world for, of coaching today. All right, coming up next. Suns, Lakers. This is kind of embarrassing to say. They play tonight, and you know what's on the line? The play-in tournament. Suns are in eighth place. The Lakers are in ninth. And there's only a half game separating these titanic teams. That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. Here is Sue Riggler talking about game day at 100 Mile Brewing Company. Game day here at 100 Mile Brewing is less than a mile away from ASU. So game day, we have the hockey game at Mullet. We've got basketball at Desert Financial, and we have football at Sun Devil Stadium. We have free parking, and you can actually even walk over. We've got a parking garage with eight floors, so we'll never run out of parking, and it's free. So it's it's always a buzz and fun to have to watch the games here. 100 Mile Brewing Company. Fresh. It never gets old. So in the Franz household, we have an air conditioning unit, an air scrubber, a reverse osmosis system, and a tankless water heater all purchased from Parker & Sons. Why? Well, number one, because we trust them. We got to know Parker & Sons about six months into living in Phoenix, and they've showed up on time, got it right the first time, and treated us great every single time. So why would we go anywhere else? The other thing I like is some of the products have even saved us money. The reverse osmosis system gives us bottle quality water from a tap. And then the tankless water heater, I can't even imagine how much money it has saved us. We never run out of hot water, even on holidays when people are coming in to visit. And it doesn't heat up water and then just let it sit in a tank. It only heats it up as we use it. So we only use the electricity when we need it. And our air scrubber takes allergens and bacteria out of the air, which has just been a dream for my wife and my youngest daughter, who have some pretty heavy allergies. Call 6022-REPAIR to learn about these products. That's 602, the number two, that R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker & Sons. It's fun. It's fun of exploring your roster and seeing what you guys can and can't do and how the piece... Did you do that because you were afraid I wouldn't be back in time, or did you just hit the wrong button? I did. I I didn't know where you went. Oh, okay. That's that's my fault. It's all right. It's all right. Um, I had it. I had it all the time. (laughs) This time it was Jeff Weir Productions' fault. I did have it all the time. The problem is, how can you get mad at Jeff? Because I'm about, I I got about a twenty percent correct ratio. I would say one out of five times I leave the studio during the revenue generating portion of the program, I get back on time. Now, I'm always, almost always on time because I don't go anywhere. But the times that I do get up, I'm rarely back on time. So I totally support Jeff Weir production, assuming failure for me. But this time I did not fail. What I did, though, is I got up. I feel bad for Izzy and Steve McCollum today. So the main event coming up 8 to 10. And then right after Steve McCollum, iOS Izzy on Sports comes up from 10 to noon. It was just announced Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft will address the media today at 10 this morning. <laughs> so right right in that transition where Steve's done and Izzy's ready for his show and ready to get started, and Izzy and Jeff aren't going to be able to work on 
video while they're actually doing a show at the same time. So we'll do our best here at WTSM. Uh, I have a lunch appointment today. Uh, Sweet Lou, going to lunch with uh, Sweet Lou, the Sweet Lou of the Unplugged Army. There's two Sweet Lou's here at WTSM, if you didn't know. Sweet Lou, who's the general manager of World One Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass, and then the Sweet Lou that's coming up today on the main event to talk gambling and, uh, and uh, mostly UFC and football playoffs with Dale Hellestray and Steve McCollum. But I'm going over there for lunch, so I won't be much help, but we'll be all over it today here on WTSM. Anything that gets said that's huge, we'll get it out to you as, uh, as best we can. But wow, what a crazy day. Crazy day today in sports. 24-hour period, mutual parting of Pete Carroll, which I don't believe. Retirement of Nick Saban, which I totally believe. He was even, Nick Saban was supposedly even uh, interviewing potential assistant coaches just two days ago. Yet he already knew he was going to retire, but he didn't want anybody else to know. And he wanted to be able to tell the next head coach what he thought about these assistant coaching uh, uh, interviews that he was doing. And then lastly, I do believe the mutual parting. Going to be a press conference today, 10 in the morning. Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft, who do say that they are parting ways. Let's get to Suns. Suns are taking on... The Lakers tonight, and I, I got a lot of thoughts on this. I told you this going into the revenue-generating portion of the program, that they're a half game up on the Lakers as the eight seed. So I don't know if you care how the playoffs work in the NBA, but just to give you the quick education, seven hosts eight. Does that make sense? So right now, Dallas is the seven seed. If we had the playoffs, the Suns would go to Dallas. Winner finishes and takes this. It's like, I shouldn't say seed. I should say seventh place because it's, a, it's actually different than the seed. The seventh place team, the Mavericks, would host the eighth place team, the Suns. Winner becomes the seventh seed. Make sense? So the Suns would leapfrog Dallas if they won. So you only have to win one of that one game and you're in. If you lose that game, you're still alive because nine hosts ten. So if you're in ninth place, the Lakers... They invite the Rockets to L.A. Losers out. So if you lose the 9-10 game, that's it. But if you lose the 7-8 game, you still get to play one more game. Winner of 9-10 faces loser of 7-8. Winner is now the 8 seed. We're talking about this, and it includes the Lakers, the Mavericks, and the Suns. That's weird. And Golden State, let me, you know, let me cheat. I don't even think Golden State right now is a playoff team. Am I right? Dun, dun, dun. I am right. Golden State's actually behind Utah, and they're a game and a half out of the, even the playoffs. Man, is that sick in the head. So that's where we are playoff-wise. Now, Anthony Davis and LeBron tonight, they are both questionable with ankle injuries, but everyone in the world says they're going to play. With the Suns, what is crazy this hasn't happened all year. I've got two pieces of sound to play for you from the Suns uh, YouTube channel. I want to admit to you up front, though, as we play it, whoever was holding the microphone did not get the microphone close enough to Frank Vogel. Therefore, you get picked up a ton of ambient noise. If you're a UCLA fan, I don't know the practice facility, what it's called for UCLA. I don't think the Suns are actually practicing in Pauley Pavilion, but they might be in Pauley. I don't, I don't 
No, now that I think about the background, they're not. But they're somewhere on UCLA's campus, which is where they're practicing. And you hear a bunch of guys yelling. You're going to hear a bunch of basketballs bouncing. So it's not perfectly clean audio, but you're going to get the gist of why tonight is really the first time for anything for the Suns. It's fun. It's fun of exploring your roster and see what you guys can and can't do and how the pieces fit together. You know, um, sometimes it leads to wins. You see things you like. Sometimes you, know, you look at some things that, that aren't working and you have to go away from it. He's talking about, he started off talking about the, this, the difficulties of coaching this team due to all the injuries and the rotations. And he said, you know what, it doesn't bother me because I get to see what so many people get to can do when they're put in situations that's not really where they should be. Maybe you don't have the talent to score 15 points a game, but we need you to this game. Maybe you're not a great defender, but we need you to defend this game. Maybe you are a great defensive player, but you're not a good passer. Well, we need more ball movement, blah, 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 things like that. So he taught, that's what that meant. But the reason why that's become uh, important is tonight is the first night that the Phoenix Suns are healthy. Now, technically, Saban Lee is on the injured list. But he's the only one, and they weren't expecting a ton from him. Every true member of the Suns that's expected to contribute to a championship this year is actually playing. Now, What's amazing that Durant's not even on the list with an ankle. You, you would think Durant would still be listed uh, on the injury list as his ankle heals up, even though there's no doubt that he's going to play. That's what makes tonight's game so interesting because you're, I'm smart enough to understand don't judge because this is the first time the coaches are able to get together and say now officially, here's our rotation assuming it'll be Booker playing the entire first quarter, sitting the beginning of the second quarter, playing the entire third quarter, sitting the beginning of the fourth quarter, and then have Durant and Beal move around, move those pieces around so you always have two of the three on the floor. That's what I'm anticipating. So maybe Beal comes out reasonably early and then comes back in to make sure that both he and Durant are ready to go to start the second quarter. So I'm betting Durant stays in. Beal comes out somewhere around the eight-minute mark, so you might only play four minutes. Then he comes in, Durant comes out, and then Durant comes back in with about three minutes left. Maybe not at all. Uh, you know what? I bet Durant checks out with three minutes left, and then he doesn't come in at all the rest of the first quarter, but now him and Beal start the second without book. And then they finish the first half with all three of them. Then it becomes, okay, what about the other two? How are they going to use Nurkic? Because Nurkic has played really, really well this year when he's against a somebody other than Zubak, uh, the, uh, the center for the Clippers. He had He's had good numbers against Anthony Davis, but he hasn't stopped Anthony Davis. So I'm interested in that matchup because they both put up good numbers when they play against each other. Then, who's the other piece? Are you going with a Kogi, who has shot terribly this year? Are you going with Grayson Allen, who hustles and fights like crazy, but has serious defensive limitations against an athletic team? And when I say defensive limitations, Grayson Allen gives you everything defensively. 
And he's he's such a hustler and so intelligent that he'll get you steals and he might even take a charge. He anticipates things well, but he just does not have the athleticism to keep up with the Lakers. So, okay, are you starting him or are you bringing him off the bench? Then the Lakers have been struggling until their most recent game. So what do you, you know, who are they right now? And there's been a lot of talk about Coach Ham maybe not being the guy. So there's a lot here for both teams. Obviously, when you're dealing with two teams that are barely above 500, this is an issue. Now, this, this next quote from Vogel that you have to hear, if, if you're in the car, I am going to ask you to turn it up a little bit. Uh, if you are uh, listening here on WTSM TV, I don't know if you know that we have an app. You can be watching it on the app or more specifically, hopefully, if you're doing it in the car on your drive, you're just doing the Bluetooth. So it's coming through. You're hearing it just fine. And you're just listening to the show, even though it's on your phone. Please don't be dumb and look at the phone while you're, while you're driving. But if you're watching it from home, the sound isn't great. Again, a lot of basketballs. But I'll repeat what Coach says, but I want you to be able to feel it for a second because it's it's either completely out of whack and he's dr- grabbing for straws and it's panic time or Frank Vogel is the exact leader we need exactly when we need him. I've been on teams where I didn't believe we were going to get it and we were going to be dominant. And I don't believe that with this group. I, I believe we are going to be dominant, and we are going to get it, and it's going to come. I have a strong belief in that. Um, it's no fun losing a tough game. We're either getting blown out in the fourth quarter or losing a lead. It's no fun. There's a lot, of, a lot of suffering that goes into it for a head coach. But you know, when you look at what we have, uh, I got so much belief in this group, confidence in this group, and um, I'm enjoying the challenge. If you didn't quite make it out, says, I've been on teams that I admit I didn't know if we were ever going to get it. Okay. Well, you know, that makes sense. Then he says, I believe we are going to be dominant and we are going to get it and it's going to come. And how many times have you heard a coach go more along the lines of, you know, let's just focus on today. Let's just get a little better every day. That's all we have to do. Focus on today. Get a little better every day. Okay, we got a game tonight. What do we need to do? Focus on our job. Focus only on get you know, blah, blah, blah. And you talk like that. But when you start saying we are going to be dominant, we are going to get it, are you saying that because you don't believe it? Are you saying that because you totally believe it and you're getting sick of the negativity from other people? Are you talking to your team? Are you worried that their confidence is low, so you're going above and beyond? You are overconfident to fill in the gaps that your team has right now. Do you think your team isn't really following you? Do you think there could be the beginning of a little bit of separation when it comes to the relationship between Vogel and the players? So he's still, hey, guys, follow me. I know I'm seeing it. We're going to get it. Stay with me. And you're almost pleading for your team. I don't know. I, I don't hear a very confident man when you're pushing confidence out like that. Who do you have to convince? All you guys have to do is start playing defense, close out on three-pointers, actually hit somebody under the boards, be aggressive defensively, 
and move the ball more and quit going one-on-one all the time on offense. Now, that doesn't mean hire Doug Franz. I'm not going to out-coach NBA coaches. That's not me screaming, I know more than Frank Vogel. But what it is saying, I don't know how to implement the fix to do the things I just said. But there is no doubt in my mind what's been established right now is a soft basketball team. Quit worrying about whether or not the chemistry is going to come and start taking the fight to the other team. And if they don't do that tonight, I don't care that, hey, we're finally healthy. This is not, hey, let's develop chemistry. Now the season starts for the Suns. I don't believe in that stuff. Because if you're soft, it doesn't matter when you start the season. And if you're not soft, why have you been playing that way? Hopefully, with everybody healthy, maybe people turn on the switch and decide to compete tonight. But I I think this is – that comment yesterday, it really got me. And that's that's why I wanted to play it for you, even though there's a lot of bad, you know, audio in the background. Because when I read it, it sounds kind of strong. You know, we're going to be dominant. And then you hear it and you kind of realize – I think he's just trying to pump up a team that's either not following him or is lacking confidence. And I don't understand how it could be the latter. You got players that are that good, that are that accomplished, and they're lacking confidence? I I think he needs to start shaking some things up. I think he's I think he's getting a little desperate right now. And I'm not saying he should be or shouldn't be. All right? I don't think Frank Vogel should be fired by any stretch of the imagination. I am starting to wonder if he's having a very hard time getting his team to have any kind of defensive buy-in because I I don't see the effort on the defensive end that I would want to see if, if I'm a head coach. And then you have to ask why. Sometimes the effort issue is not lack of belief in you. Sometimes the lack of – it's not a – character problem of the player sometimes lack of effort is simply because i'm confused all right how can i show you great effort to get out to this spot if i'm not sure i'm supposed to be at this spot that can happen and on a team like the suns when you are dealing with so many injuries let's say i'm now playing the three because that's what's needed. So I'm guarding their three. So here is my role when I'm guarding this guy. But now I'm playing a four the next game. I'm playing a five the next game. So now I don't understand every aspect of the defense yet because I'm in different spots. That makes a lot of sense. However, in basketball, we've moved so much to positionless basketball. It's more about where you are. on the, This is going to sound funny. Now that we're playing positionless basketball, it's more about position. What I mean by that, it's more about your position on the court. If you are guarding the short corner, this is what you're doing when we've got an Anthony Davis on the block with the ball. But if we're playing another team that's got a less dominant or offensive center, well, then we do want you to come off of that. No, we don't. We're going to guard them uh, easily. We're going to just single up. We're never going to drop down a double. We Or we never double off the short corner against this team because they've got this shooter. You know, every every concept is different. And if you're moving pieces around all the time, guys get confused. So it looks like to us, and I'm the first one that calls them out for it, you're not playing with effort and energy. But the truth is, they're just confused. 
but at what point are you no longer confused? I mean, did you did you just get a lot of poor pieces that don't fit well and then give Frank Vogel a break and then that's kind of on the GM and that's a James Jones problem or specifically a Matt Ishbia problem because Matt is heavily involved as kind of a GM. Or do the pieces fit if Vogel did a better job? What's going on? And Frank, you've got questions you've got to answer. Why were you unbelievably successful with kind of low-talent, low-ego guys with Orlando and Indiana? And then with the Lakers, you know, things didn't work out. You weren't able to keep everybody together. And now you've got high-end talent. And I'm not going to say high-end egos, but clearly, look how Kevin Durant has bounced around the country. Every time there's a little bit of a problem, he gets his, but his team doesn't win. He plays hard, but the team doesn't win. All right, what's going on here? Is there a disconnect? All of these things can be fixed, let's face it, with a good winning streak. And this is the moment where now everybody gets judged. It starts tonight. I'm really interested to see uh, what's going to happen. This is not a big game in the NBA because these two teams – this is an 8-9 game, right? But when you look at the star power, the questions that are on each coach, and the assumption that one of these teams is going to do something this year, it's got to start tonight, doesn't it? Somebody's taken off tonight, and somebody's going to get stepped on. And I, I'm pretty fascinated by that, uh, by that aspect. Keep that one in mind. January 11th, keep today in mind of this this could be the mark of demarcation between the Lakers and Suns franchises going forward for this year, and somebody might be going through massive changes. Or I just wasted your time for the last 15 minutes, and nothing's going to change. <laughs> it's just going to be one game, and then it really has no effect on the, on the future. But I think it's a pretty big moment. Uh, Jeff Weir Production, I haven't just ripped you in a while, so... It's time to rip you. Uh-oh. Uh, there's a man by the name of Dave Burns. I don't know what Dave does anymore. Who knows what Dave Burns is doing with his life. But he used to do a hilarious segment in radio called Rip a Coworker. All right? So it's time for Rip a Coworker as I steal this from Dave Burns. I uh, drank all my water. So I got up to go get more water. Yeah, that was the last one. That's not what I'm ripping you. Listen, I appreciate that you go get water. But I don't consider it your whole job in life and you let me down and you're a terrible person because you don't have water. Mm -hmm. I opened up the fridge and there's no water in the fridge. But the big plastic wrap that holds the water is still in the fridge. So if you took out the last water and being so kind to me to hand it to me as you did to start the show, you left the plastic in there? Yeah, I was in in a hurry because there was one uh, there. I think it was like... A minute, 30 seconds left before we went live. And you just couldn't grab the whole plastic and throw it away. No. You just had to get the one bottle out of the plastic, which means you kind of wrestled with the Because you know how it is. When the plastic's in there and there's only one bottle, that's kind of a battle. Well, it's easy just to grab the whole plastic. Out. Well, I think the the water was actually outside the plastic. So I, I reached So somebody else it. had already taken the bottle out? Possibly. Okay. Yeah. I somewhat retract. Somewhat uh. retract. I mean, it, it could have been as easy as reaching down and just grabbing Because what happened is, is I go in there and I look at the plastic, so I grab the plastic thinking, <laughs> well, we must be down to a bottle or two, and all of a sudden I got empty plastic. Like, wait, what is this? So now I, so you just left the swallow in the container. 
Um, that's for those of you Harlem Knights fans. So I, I, I grabbed the plastic and I'm like, fumbling, wait, where's, where's the hidden water bottle in here? <laughs> oh, then I threw it away. It was, it was, I was, I admit though, I was entertained by it. So, uh, that was, that was my few minutes in the revenue generating portion of the show. All right. Coming up next. I, uh, I got a, a couple things on college foot or college basketball. I want to get to the ASU game tonight. Last night was a crazy, crazy situation in college basketball. This has been one of the wildest weeks in college basketball. And I want to start dabbling into the NFL draft every now and then, start looking ahead to the NFL playoffs. So we still got a lot to do. And uh, at Versus Vegas coming up. My name is Doug Franz. Thanks for being a part of WTSM every weekday morning. Six hours of local sports programming. With me, Steve McCollum, Dale Hellespray, Hellespray, and Isaiah Jackson. Love for you to be a part of it. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. It's big, it's juicy, it's meaty. Get your burrito at Burrito Express. If you're having a hangover, a bad day, even a good day, still get your burrito at Burrito Express. It will make you feel better. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub at Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. Poor Jeff Weir production after I rip him. What does he do the whole time? Uh, 60 seconds back. 30 seconds back. Hey, hey. And I I hear it. That doesn't mean I'm done writing this down. <laughs> there's a there's so many. I, I, it's such a weird day in sports because locally, I'll just admit it to you, there's buttkiss, you know, locally. None of our teams played last night at all. I haven't said buttkiss in like 30 years. Um, there's nothing that happened last night, but nationally, it's one of the most significant days in sports history, if you really think about it, from a non-result standpoint, when you have Saban and Carroll yesterday and then Belichick this morning, and then there's, a, to me, a huge game tonight for the future of the immediate future of the Suns with Lakers and Celtics. I still don't know why the Pac-12 is doing this, but U of A and ASU are off to the Pacific Northwest, but they don't play the travel partner game. ASU takes on UW tonight. U of A takes on Wazoo this weekend, but they don't switch, and ASU is not going to Pullman, and, and of course, and vice versa, U of A is not going to Seattle. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I didn't even know that they did that. Uh, I, of course, you did that when you played your rival team. They almost always didn't have that as a big travel weekend. So the week that, that U of A plays ASU, there's not other games on U of A schedule. And uh, this is what now what they're doing, I guess, with one trip a year. And if they've been doing that the whole time since the conference expanded to 12 ga- uh, teams, I admit I haven't been paying enough attention to know that. I thought you skipped a whole trip 
every year. I thought there was one triple K. We're not going to Oregon this year. So the Oregon schools might come to Phoenix and Tempe or uh, Tempe and Tucson, but they are not hosting ASU and U of A. While at the same time, it might be the Oregon schools go everywhere except the mountain schools. You know, they're skipping the trip to Utah and Colorado, but Utah and Colorado are going there. That's, to me, what they've been doing. I got some Bobby Hurley I want to play for you. I'm really interested in this game tonight as well. It's going to be a long night with uh, three games tonight to watch. Coyotes are at home against Calgary, and, and Yotes are only a point above Calgary. I've already built up for you my thoughts on Lakers and Suns, with the Suns being only a half game ahead of L.A., but finally healthy. And then you've got a scenario with ASU where they're coming in 4-0. They're coming in as the number one team in the conference. Washington's pretty low. UW's only 1-3. But off the top of my head, if I have this right, I believe the, the point differential and the three losses in the 1-3 and record are 5 points, 4 points, 4 points. So it's not like UW's getting blown out. They're right there, and they're the home team. So I would actually favor UW in this game. But if ASU wins, now you've taken on a team that's got bona fide Pac-12 talent, beat them in their building, and man, is that 5-0 and record real if you're able to win tonight. Here's Bobby Hurley giving us the rundown of what he thinks of UW. I think uh, I think they're a really good team, really good offensive team. You know, average 81 points a game. Uh you know, they have quality non-conference wins versus Gonzaga and Xavier. And, you know, they're one and three in the conference, but all those games are very close games. And two of them are on the road in the mountains, which is not an easy place to play. And I just know from playing those two teams, they're very good teams. So, um, you know, I think that they're better than their record in the league. And they're, uh, you know, they, they have those quality wins. Keon Brooks is, is one of the best players in the conference. Uh, you know, Wheeler is fantastic in the open court. And they got good complementary players. Like okay, he's a really good player. He's played a lot of basketball. Wood is a guy that can make shots. So they have a talented roster. Uh, so, you know, we, we, we expect to play a, a really, you know, tough game on Thursday night. This is very rude. Craig Fooey has always treated me very well, and he's a very nice man, ABC 15, and he works hard. So I want to say that. First and foremost, okay? But I was watching yesterday's press conference, and it kind of bugged me because Craig Fooey hasn't been to a lot of Bobby Hurley press conferences, but now they're 4-0, and I get it. I do the same thing with my time. You got to budget your time, figure out what's the most important thing, go when you can. I get it. And like I said, Craig Fooey works hard. Some talking heads just expect everybody else to do something. They show up, and they want you to make them look good, but they don't work hard. Craig Fooey is not like that. However... Craig Fooey asked a whole bunch of questions. He kind of dominated the press conference. And almost every question he asked are questions that Bobby Hurley's already been asked in the last two to three weeks where you had that information. You could have gone back in the archives and said, here, ABC 15 audience, here's what Bobby Hurley thinks. But you want that. I get it. I, I know this is the game. It sounds better for your ABC 15 audience when you're allowed to say, hey, I spoke to Bobby Hurley, and then you have him asking the question, Bobby answering it, it looks good. But it, I don't know. It just kind of got to me. 
if I I wasn't there, I wasn't there, but if I am an ASU regular, I'm at every press conference. I'm saying if I am not at every press, but if I'm at every press conference, somebody comes to a press conference that they haven't been to in a while, and then they ask all the questions that's already been asked over the last three weeks, just so they have the audio and video for themselves. I hope that doesn't get back to Craig in a weird way. I hope he doesn't get ripped for it. I hope nobody says, boy, Doug ripped you. You know, I, I hope Fu Manchu, I always call him Fu Manchu, I don't know why. I hope Craig Fui just says, hey, you know what? Doug, you're right. I'm just playing the game. Give me a break. Buy me a beer. And I'm like, all right, good. Because I, I, Craig has been so nice to me forever. Yeah, that's it. I was like, we've already talked about that. And so I'm not going to do that. When I go to Bobby Hurley press conferences, I ask relevant questions of the time not questions that have already been asked because I watch every presser thanks to Sun Devil Source. I've got the information. You can do the same thing if you know if you want to. Uh, but that that was probably a rude rant. It wasn't really a rant, but I, as I think about it, it, it bothered me while I was watching. And now as I hear myself talk, I was like, man, you're a jerk. That's what I'm thinking about myself right now. If I'm Craig Fui, I'm like, Doug, you've always been nice to you. Why are you being a jerk? Yeah, you're right. I am. I apologize. Scratch that. Jeff Weir Production, take all that out. Take all that out. Will do. Every now and then you just sit here and you get on a roll and then you realize, wow, everything people say about me is right. I'm a jerk. Um, here's a question from Craig Fooey. Great question, Craig. He asked Bobby Hurley about the NIL situation and where they stand, which was asked last week, but it still interested me. I mean, we're trying and, and we're trying to have conversations and be creative and and uh, just get the word out about how important it is. And, you know, I think uh, new leadership will know that that is priority now and, and uh, in, in our world that we're in. And, and uh, it has to be. There's no choice, you know, no matter, you know, where you are in the Big 12, no matter what program you are, you better, you know, have a plan for, for NIL. It's, it's going to be hard to survive in, in that type of league without it. This is not sucking up now, but... Foo, I am really glad that you asked that question. <laughs> when I was watching the presser and he asked that question, I admit, I was like, Craig, we just talked about that three days ago before the, uh, uh, who was it? Before, who just came into, into town? It was the Mountain Schools. So I think it was right after the Utah game. I might be wrong, it was after the Colorado game. But he was just asked about NIL. But that time he gave a little bit of a different answer, and I really want to latch on to that for a second. Did you hear that little snippet? Did you hear that little phrase Bobby Hurley threw in there that I thought was pretty important? He said, now that we have new leadership. Oh. If you don't know this, Bobby Hurley and Ray Anderson do not exchange Christmas cards. Is that a nice way to put it? They're not the closest of friends. And so Bobby's not trying in a sense. He didn't wake up that morning and say, what can I stick Ray Anderson with? But if you don't know, Ray Anderson and Dr. Crow did some ridiculously dumb things when it comes to marketing of Arizona State to potential student-athletes. Dr. Crow came on during what's called Newsmakers Week, an event that I – uh-oh, an ASU source just texted, and I don't know if they're if they're watching uh, right now. Uh, so I, I, I'm dying to see what this is about. Okay, 
Oh, okay, okay. Thank you, thank you. A, a source, I'll just tell you what it said. It said, because it's not earth-shattering, but it says, Greg Byrne rule. If your name leaks, you're out. <laughs> the way the reason why I'm laughing at that is I saw a report today that said Dan Lanning is headed to Tuscaloosa to interview. The reason why I'm laughing at that is there's no way that's true. No way. Now you say, well, wait, you were just talking about Dan Lanning. How is that not true? There's no, I know Greg Byrne reasonably well. Full disclosure, he hasn't texted me back since he took the Bama job. <laughs> like somehow people, it shows you how superficial I am. Man, I got a lot of phone numbers and a lot of people are my friend when they live in the same town as I do. But man, as soon as they go away, they're done with me. Done. But Greg Byrne is uh, somebody that I really do respect. And I, I didn't realize he has that policy, but I know full well there's no way he would interview any coach in Tuscaloosa. No way. I don't even believe he would interview them in Birmingham. I believe with the money that Alabama has, they would set up in our country almost a midway point. He's the type of person that says, let's go eat somewhere in Iowa. All right? Let's, let's go to Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Let's take our two private planes. Let's meet somewhere. Or heck, I'll fly up to see you. And he'll take a booster plane that nobody realizes an Alabama booster because he doesn't want it registered for somebody to be able to track him. And he would interview Dan Lanning somewhere else than Tuscaloosa. So I'm not saying interviewing Dan Lanning is not true. I'm totally believing it was not in Tuscaloosa. Now, doesn't mean he already didn't know about Nick Saban, already start the process of finding a coach, already interviewed Dan Lanning, and Lanning is coming to Tuscaloosa today to announce that he's the next head coach. That, that's, I'm not going to tell you that's a lie. But the, that exact phrase, Lanning is headed to Tuscaloosa for an interview, no chance. Because Greg Byrne wouldn't do that. All right, back to my previous point. During what was called Newsmakers Week, which was something that I created, and I only say that not for credit from you now, but to rub it in that the station doesn't think I did anything. They got rid of me, and then they want to keep all the ideas I said we should do. But Dr. Crow sat in studio and told all of ASU fans and all potential student-athletes about how wrong NIL was and how we're not going to get into bidding wars, we're not going to do this. And to him, and I actually get it, he's a utopian dude. Dr. Crow has a belief that this is how college athletics should be. And it's very utopian, and it's nice, and it's sweet, and it's Candyland, okay? In truth, and this is why I, I think you're never going anywhere as an ASU fan base. Sorry. I don't think you're ever going anywhere with Dr. Crow because he won't let you. Because he's always standing on a soapbox saying this isn't how things should be. He basically wants Division Three ideals, NAIA ideals. He's handcuffing all of Arizona State athletics with ridiculous comments like there's nothing wrong with Desert Financial Arena. 
that we're not going to get into bidding wars for players, that we're not going to be out there like that, that we're going to do this NFL model because it's ridiculous how coaches are getting paid after they get fired. Basically, he complains about the system while everybody else uses the system to be successful. Okay? It's never going to work. You can't get it both ways. Either drop down to Division Three and hold to your ideals, which aren't wrong. You have every right to have that opinion. But you also have to be smart enough to know the university athletic department will never succeed as long as you're saying we're not going to do it the way everybody else is doing it that are spending money on the player athlete, that are spending money, player athlete, student athlete, that are spending money on the coaching staffs. And now that Ray is gone, how about that little snippet there from Bobby? Now that we have the new leadership, we can compete in that space. Does he mean that Dr. Crow has changed and without Ray Anderson in the way, here we go? Or is he just kind of sucking up to Dr. Crow? Because my belief is leadership hasn't changed. Dr. Crow is still there. But I know that there's a lot of people on the inside that are trying to dramatically change ASU NIL's deals. They're trying. I I hate to be Debbie Downer. I question whether they can be successful because of Dr. Crow. All right, the last one from uh, from Bobby Hurley. It's kind of a follow-up to NIL, and I really liked it because it's a question from Craig Fooey. Good question, Craig. Uh, man, I just can you just feel it? Whenever you do something and you're kind of being a jerk, you know, you just, oh, no, it's going to come back. And uh, where's that button? Uh, Arizona State UFA. There it is. There it is. Oh, he takes me a while. When you're being, you know, kind of an asshole. Yeah, that's me right now. And so now I'm kind of sucking up. Sorry, Foo. Well, that didn't come out well. But anyway, Foo, great question about transfers. He asked Bobby Hurley, how different is it now that you are recruiting your own players? Guys are on your team right now, and you basically have to recruit them to stay so they don't enter the transfer portal as you're recruiting college players from other teams that are in the portal as you're recruiting high school players. How is this all manifesting itself? It's a different world for sure. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm one that the way things have gone in the last two years, I, I believe a long, as long as a kid has progress necessary towards graduation, degree progression, uh, at this point, every player should, after every year should be able to, to go wherever they want. You know, well, I mean, that's the two the two time transfer thing. Just that decision was made in court. And I think it's. I think that's where things are headed. I mean, I'm not saying it exactly, but that would be my choice at this point. Let, let these guys decide what's best for them. Let the players decide if, if they want to be with people that they trust and they've had success working with, or if they want to find out if the grass, grass is green or somewhere else, or maybe it hasn't worked out. Why keep a kid somewhere in a place where things aren't working? Maybe he needs to find a new, a new place to, to, to find success. So that's where I stand on it. I think that's really, really strong because that actually, if you're a player, that benefits you. To find out that your own head coach believes if you feel like this isn't the place for you, I'm going to help you leave. I'm not going to be bent out of shape and things like that. And at the same time, hey, all of you players, if you're not happy where you are, 
I totally get it, and we're always available for you. We're always here for you. But it makes building a program unbelievably difficult. And it's a real interesting scenario where you might run into a lot of teams that have juniors and seniors that stay together doing really well in non-conference games as the teams that are in constant flux are adjusting. And then hopefully they get going in the conference season that leads to an NCAA tournament run. That could be the formula that you've got going on at ASU right now. Bobby Hurley recently said there are three players that have left specifically because they got better NIL deals, and that's the number one thing he's working on is improving NIL. Hopefully that fit well for you, too, if you're a U of A fan. There's a lot of hardcore college basketball there that you might have liked, and I'm probably not going to be able to talk a lot of U of A this week because they don't play this until this weekend, and I believe Tommy Lloyd is talking to the media after Doug Franz Unplugged coming up tomorrow, so I won't have a lot for you. Beer Friday, by the way. Oh, Jeff Weir Production, guess what I did today? What? I opened the refrigerator to get a Mountain Dew, mm-hmm. and then I saw two cans of A Mountain Amber Ale. This and, is at your house? Yeah. And I thought, yeah, no, yeah, that wasn't the, you know, mistake water or hidden water <laughs> trick. It was me looking at that, and um, I saw the beer and thought, oh, it's Beer Friday. And reached up for the beer. And then realized, no, it's Thursday. So close. That was, I mean, it was, I mean, it's just one of those moments of time where you go, oh, no. And that's exactly how I felt. But I hate the term Friday Eve. Do you ever say that? No, I never say that. There's a lot of people in my life that, well, not anymore, in the old show, there's a guy named Ned. Okay, The, the morning news show used to be done by a group called Ned and Connie. And Ned would always say, happy Friday Eve, every Thursday. and get all excited. And it, that, no, I got work to do Thursday, Ned. And some of us work on Friday. I got, so all this guy did is he showed up and read things other, other people wrote. And then used to make me mad because we had an on-air bathroom. You're only supposed to go to the bathroom if you're on the air. Because you've only got like a three-minute window to go to the bathroom. So you, that's the on-air bathroom. Every day at 9 o'clock, his show would end. And instead of going out into the hallway with G-Pop, he would come in and he'd use the on-air bathroom. You're not on the air anymore. he go, well, I'm on-air talent. Oh, my gosh. That's not the reason why it's there. So he sit there, So he got paid to walk up, read a couple things somebody else writes for him, use the on-air bathroom when it's time to go home, and he's back home by 930. In the morning. And then he would say, he, he said he doesn't shower. I said, what? And he goes, no, well, I shower at night. And then I sleep and I get up. Look, I get up, uh, you know, I come into work early. I'm not going to smell just by going to sleep. You smell stale, Ned. That's what you smell like. You don't stink. You just smell stale. Well, I shower at night, too. I hate showering in the morning. I mean, I do sometimes, but I'd, I'd rather shower at night. Yeah, but you're weird. I have clean sheets. I, I sleep clean. I'm not a gassy or a sweaty person, so <laughs> I don't fester in my own gas. <laughs> that was south. Every now and then, your southernness just hits. I don't fester. I have not heard the word fester in so long. 
Something bad happens to your car. What do you say, Jeff? Um, I don't know. Oh, maybe that's just an Alabama term and not a Southern term. My car tore up. Oh, my car tore up. Yeah. I've said that before. See? it's I'm fixing to do something. My car tore up and bless his heart. Yeah. No matter what happens, if it's even somewhat terrible that somebody lost a lucky penny or a car door flew off the car, blew through the car seat, and, and there's, you know, and the kid is paralyzed. All of it's just, oh, bless his heart. <laughs> Every time. All right, let, let me go back to actually bringing content. I want to get into the NFL now on a broader scale, uh, going back to today's um, huge news. I don't know whether it's true. There are some people that think Chicago is still going to possibly fire Eberflus. Or maybe you weren't going to fire him, but now that Belichick's out there, maybe you say, well, hey, I'll, I'll at least kick the tires on Belichick. By the way, press conference coming up in two and a half hours, and uh, we'll have anything that's huge from it for you here on WTSM. Uh, some people even think if the Steelers lose to the Bills this weekend that Mike Tomlin might pull a Sean Payton and say, you know what, I want to take a year off and I'll come back somewhere else. I, I, I want to break. I want to break. I don't really believe that one, but there are people that are trying to throw that out there. So here are the jobs that are open right now. Chargers, Washington, Falcons, Patriots, uh, Seahawks, Carolina, Vegas, Tennessee. Number one is Belichick at one of those jobs immediately. That's I think that's the biggest question and where he would go. I'm going to throw out a crazy one first. Carolina. And the reason why I throw that one out, David Tepper has to know that with Daniel Snyder out, he has the worst reputation of any owner. And he's only been an owner for a short time. It's hard to be this bad of an owner. And how brilliant do you look if you hire Bill Belichick and say, Bill, you're running everything. Now, On the one hand, you might be saying, why in the world would Bill Belichick take that job when he might be the top coach available? I'm thinking because the one thing that Tepper's not going to worry about is money. He's not going to worry about money at all. He would pay Belichick more than any other job out there. So from that standpoint, you talk about the golden parachute to end your life. I mean, easy. Bill Belichick would be like $15 million a year club, $20 million a year club. I'm not lying. I think it would be just a ridiculous amount of money. But is it a good job? Of course it's not a good job. You probably don't have a quarterback. You definitely don't have a first-round pick. And you've got an owner that can turn on you in a heartbeat and suddenly be meddling. But I kind of believe... Belichick is the only coach that can keep David Tepper at arm's length. I'm not coming if you ever tell me what to do football-wise. Do we have that agreement? I want it written in the contract. All football decisions are mine to make. Do I think he'd take it? No, I don't. But I don't know. I don't know. Because you talk about power. He would get all of the power because that would be his leverage. 
Tepper, you're not good. I'm not going unless I have all the power. The best job might be the least paying job. You should never take a job just because of one player. But when you look up and down the teams that I mentioned, the only one that I would say has a number one true answer at quarterback, not the number one QB1 of the league, but the number one answer at quarterback might be the worst job for the other things that you look at, and that's the Chargers. You get Justin Herbert. That's gold in your hand. The problem is you're a tenant in the Rams building. You have zero fan base. Your quarterback is going to have to do silent count every home game, and you're still in the process of kind of creating the, uh, the practice facility and things like that. All of the things you would normally look at for a good job aren't there. Yet, hey, you got Herbert. And what do you need to win? You need a quarterback. So that's interesting. What about Washington? Washington is a strange situation. They have a wonderful human being as an owner that cares about winning and wants to get off on a great note. However, he did something kind of ingenious, in my opinion, hired two former general managers, one from the NBA, one from the NFL, to collaborate together on finding someone, in a sense, to replace themselves, who will be the director of football, and then that guy's going to hire the head coach. Well, what about hiring Belichick? I mean, boom, you drop in Bill Belichick, let's go Bill. The the two major, three major negatives about Washington – No quarterback, number one. Number two, Washington's practice facility is not as bad as the Cardinals, but it's one of the worst ones in the league. And the stadium situation is one of the worst stadium situations in the league. And you're in the middle of negotiating the future of Washington. So that's something that a coach doesn't like to mess with. So the job, ownership-wise, is great. Quarterback, we think is great. We don't really know yet. Quarterback-wise is bad, and then all the other intangibles are bad. So there's that. Um, Atlanta, decent situation, no quarterback. Seattle, great situation, no quarterback, tough travel. Seattle always leads the NFL in most miles, other than they might be battling it out a little bit with Jacksonville because of their constant trips to London. Um, Vegas is interesting. Great market, fun and exciting city that players want to go to. Obviously, distractions for the players that are there. No quarterback. And an owner that's not... Sorry, Mark. I know I saw this earlier this week. An owner that's not very smart. But he's not going to get in the way either. I mean, it's going to be your team. And boy, would that be nice for Mark Davis to be able to say, finally, a true football guy, get out of the way. And then there's the Titans. Another interesting one. No state income tax. So you save a lot of money on a major contract. A terrible owner, but not an owner on a power trip. Just bad. So she's not going to block you from being the guy and be totally in charge of it. So the future of Belichick is very interesting. And you can't help but wonder... 
is his driving force two things, passing Don Shula to be the winningest coach of all time and proving he doesn't need Brady to win. If that's the case, bam, he's in, he's in L.A. He's the Chargers coach, so he's got his quarterback, and he doesn't want to build anything. But if it's the golden parachute, Carolina, yeah. yeah. Even though, do I really think he's going to care? No, I don't. But it's just fascinating to talk about. Uh, plus, there's the playoff games over the weekend. Really going to dive in heavy into the the playoffs because I think there's I think there's going to be a lot of good matchups, a couple blowouts, but I think it's going to be a lot of good things. Uh, coming up next is uh, well for me is versus Vegas, but for you is Steve McCollum, Dale Hellestray, the main event coming up. It's every weekday morning from eight to ten, and Steve McCollum is standing by right now and. Steve, do you have a, a guess where you think is the best landing spot for Bill Belichick? Well, I mean, Chargers is the, the best spot. Yeah. Uh, but watch out for the Raiders. I like That's an interesting one, too. That's an interesting one, too. And well, I mean, if you think about it, uh, Bill Belichick and the Raiders. Sorry, I'll have to fix my headphones. Here. Okay, all good. Uh, Bill Belichick and the Raiders is a fit, right? Could you imagine him at that podium uh, with his little, uh, we're, uh, we, we're going to think about Kansas City. <laughs> Doesn't it get better than that? <laughs> I just think of Mark Davis knows. I think Mark Davis is one of the few rich people that actually knows I'm not that smart. Yeah, he wants that high profile. Yes. Uh, he'll take a chance on a guy. He wants that high profile. Here's the weird thing is uh, what happens with McDaniel, right? Uh, he's been Belichick's right-hand man. And they're saying the linebackers coach, Mayo, for New England, is the guy that's going to get that job. Why, I don't know. Yeah. But, um, you know. You can't obviously Belcher can't go to the Raiders and bring McDaniel with them. Right, that's a great point. That's a great. You know what's interesting? I, I didn't think about McDaniel is, is you know everybody wondered has he done his penance from the Broncos job and when was he going to get another job? And then he took the Colts job. And remember, he's the head coach of the Colts for like yeah, forty eight uh, hours or I don't something even know if it was like that. that long, yeah. yeah, and then he okay, never mind. He changes his mind. Then there was a penance of okay, you're not going to get a head coaching job for a while for what you did to the Colts. But in, hey, it's the Raiders. It doesn't matter. But now. Now McDaniels has got to be thinking, if I wouldn't have messed with any of that, he could be the he's guy. 100% the Patriots coach without thinking well, about that, it right that's now. That's why he backed out of the Colts job was they said, hey, hang out here and you yeah, can be the yeah, next coach here. So, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, uh, you know, uh, that's one thing about, uh, you know, uh, him is he likes to ruin his uh, his coaching <laughs> career. So that's good for him. Good choices. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'd say watch out. The only reason I say Raiders is if they don't get if they don't get uh, Michigan's coach, Jim Harbaugh, uh, watch for Belichick to go there. Uh, and even I'll even, you know, lesser amount. I tie Pete Carroll to that. Pete Carroll wants to keep coaching. Pete, folks, Pete Carroll was forced out yesterday. I, I have no doubt in my mind you're right They, about they that. phrased it as mutual. Pete Carroll yeah. wanted to continue to coach. Yes. That's why he wasn't on any of my fireable lists, why he was going to be there for another year or two. Uh, and you give him the right offer, he'll jump ship. From, he doesn't want to move from Seattle. I get all that. But uh, you'll jump ship if you want to keep coaching. Yeah. You know, you lose the game or you win the game. You have you always have a presser afterwards. State Farm Stadium. He says, "I want to keep coaching." Then he has the end of the season presser in Seattle Monday morning. Mm -hmm. Says he wants to keep coaching. Yep. Then had his regular radio interview. Says it's not even a question. I'm going to keep coaching. And then it, then it's a mutual parting. Now wait the, a minute. The thing that I wonder. Yeah, no, he got he got he got flat out fired, folks. Um, but then the other thing is, is after the game, right? Bobby Wagner. Rip 
ripped that ripped the culture in the locker room if you yes, were if you yes. saw that uh guys were out there in there celebrating after the game they were celebrating that they came back and won even though they were eliminated from the playoff and bobby wagner of all people was like look that's the young culture here it's not what we do here in seattle i wonder if there was a locker room issue in seattle that we'd never heard about and if that's the case give kudos to pete carroll but maybe the uh, ownership there was like look it's just time to to find something else, you know? I kind of have always felt like that because you, you read it as well. Now, this is about you know, six years ago now. But the Legion of Boom yeah. always whining about the treatment of Russell Wilson. Yes. But since they were winning, just the leaks would get out, but nothing that was earth-shattering. Yeah, and and they, then as soon it, as they were yeah. gone, it was ripping Russell all the time. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, he controlled guys like Richard Sherman who were just bloviating loudmouth idiots, you know. <laughs> and uh, Pete Carroll was able to keep those guys under control. He kept Bobby Wagner under control, and obviously there was a rift in that locker room. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah. why come out with it at the last uh, last game of the year. <laughs> I'm really interested in the David Tepper situation because everybody it's hard to say Young is a terrible quarterback but boy he doesn't look good. Well he has nothing to work with. You don't have a first round pick this year to mm -hmm. your point you're not going to get a lot better and David Tepper desperately has to have come out with a bang and the only way he can do that is with money and the only yeah. person that that fits is Belichick because Belichick yeah. would have the straight arm ability to put one thing in the contract. No, nobody you that, will never make a football decision. Yeah, nobody – but that doesn't even matter. Nobody that has any amount of uh, leverage is going to sign with Carolina. He's yep. going to – have to sign somebody that isn't as good as Frank Wright, and he's going to have to find a yes man to go in there, and they knowing they'll take the blame. Somebody that knows, hey, I'm not not necessarily head coaching material. I got a shot at it. I'm going to take it, and then I'll just be a coordinator for the rest of my life type of a player. That's Tepper's problem. No talent, and you're not going to get better this year. Funny you said. I have a friend. I can't say who that took a job in a for, with a sports franchise that had a terrible owner, mm -hmm. and he knew it. And he said, everybody told me, don't take the job, don't take the job, don't take the job. And he said, but this was life-changing money. Yeah. I mean, like, sometimes you just have to think of my yes. family and it's life-changing money. And then when it was over, when it was over and he did get fired, I asked him, are you happy that you took it? And he said, yes, but. And it was just funny. It was just, there's still that drive of, I was, I'm still labeled a loser, and I know it's not my fault, and he'll never be able yeah, to fight that. Yeah, but guys overcome. Look at Steve Wilkes, right? Terrible. And it, blame Kime and all those guys. Well, Steve Wilkes was a terrible head coach that year, made terrible mm -hmm. decisions on the field. And look at him now. He's highly regarded. You can get that name back by going back and being good at what you were good at before yeah. and while still taking that life-changing money. And let's face it. The only coach to win with David Tepper. <laughs> yeah, well, the, right? And the, and the thing is, the amazing thing is, is uh, a lot of times the owner, if it's a bad enough owner, so your buddy there uh, didn't, wasn't with a bad enough owner. Because if you go with a bad enough owner – you can all, the owner will always take the blame. Oh, yeah, he sucked there, but look at his ownership. Yeah, yeah. So you gotta you, if you're gonna do that move, you gotta go with a guy like Tepper, where everybody will just blame him no matter what. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's so many it's, there's so many interesting storylines with each job. You know, Chargers not good ownership, not good situation. 
fantastic yeah. quarterback, the best quarterback of any team that needs a coach. So that's sometimes that's all that it takes. Yeah. Uh, Washington, you assume a good owner because the Devils and Sixers talk very highly about him, but no stadium plan, well. bad facilities, no quarterback. Yeah. Okay, do you really want but, that? Not only that, but I mean, he's showing he's a good owner, right? With who he's bringing in for an ownership so search smart. and stuff like that. I agree. Uh, he's not just going like Tepper, going, I'll just throw a dart and we'll hire somebody. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Atlanta, we always assume Arthur Blank's a good owner, but how long are we going to assume that when Dude. they don't do anything? But it's the NFC South. Yeah, but they I mean, have the talent. Compete. Yes. Get a coach that'll, that'll give Robinson the ball and London the ball and figure out the quarterback situation. Oh, dear God, you'd be good in, in Atlanta. Now, here's a crazy question. Is the Patriots job a good job? <laughs> With Miami and Buffalo moving up as fast yeah. as they are. That's why they're going to give the job to you, the linebacker coach, Mayo, yeah. uh, is because New England is not a good job, folks. Wow. It's weird to say that, but I can't really disagree yeah. because of the timing of the situation. Well, here's the other thing. It's going to be the same problem for everybody that's going to be bending over backwards for that Alabama job. The Alabama job is good. Yeah, it is. Because one guy is there and is no longer there, and that is Nick Saban. You're right. You're right. What's, uh, what's coming up on the main event? It's going to seven steps backwards here coming up, and you yeah. don't want to be the guy that follows the guy. So let Mayo take the New England job, and then they can hire somebody afterward. Yeah. Uh, the other thing on that is I, wouldn't, I, would, take, I would be very careful – uh, watching a hiring search for somebody that hasn't had a hire a coach in 24 years, uh, they don't know what they're doing. Oh, that's interesting. You know what's interesting about that? It could go both ways. Do you really want to hi- take a job from a guy that's used to going through the hiring process, meaning he keeps firing his own choices, but... Steve's got a point. When's the last time Robert Kraft said, we need to hire a coach? And you've got the other dynamic in New England. Do they go a czar? Or are they going to go general manager first, head coach? Or are they, no, we're in a race to get the head coach? Or do they feel like, as as, uh, Steve was hinting, that it's already done who the head coach is. We just need to go find the GM. We're going to hire Mayo, and then we're going to go find a GM. Uh, There's a, a lot of interesting notes. Or do they go completely screwball? And they bring back Pete Carroll. (laughs) Man, this is fun. I like the openness of where we are now, and I'm really interested. I don't believe this at all. Just to be clear, I don't believe this. But some people that are pushing the rumor that Buffalo wins this weekend um, against Pittsburgh, and then Mike Tomlin retires afterward, not retired, steps down, and takes a year or two off and then gets back into coaching. Remember, I don't think any of us, if you're old enough to remember, any of us thought Bill Cowher was going to retire when he did. Nobody thought that. And Bill Cowher stayed on television ever since. So I don't mind the speculation on Mike Tomlin. I just certainly don't believe it. But wow, you get that job thrown in too? Granted, amazing situation, no quarterback. Amazing ownership situation. Lots to talk about. All right, versus Vegas... Um, weird night for me. I got kind of lucky. I got to say, I got kind of lucky. I really liked Boston minus the seven against the T-Wolves last night. T-Wolves back end of a back-to-back. Boston, Minnesota had to come up from Orlando. Then the game went to overtime. So with it being a close game, I thought I was a dead duck. It went into overtime, and I'm thinking, well... Maybe I get lucky here, but 
you know, overtime on the back end of a back-to-back after a long trip, that's tough, but a seven-point spread is so big, how am I going to win that? The game ends 127-120. So I get the draw, so I get the money back, I'm safe. I was, I was kind of happy to have an overtime game do that, but then I was mad that nobody from Boston did anything in the overtime. I don't know if you saw the overtime. Let me cheat and look this up because I wrote it down. Uh, where is it? Here it is. Jason Tatum won the overtime. He scored 12. The T-Wolves scored 9. I think Jalen Brown had a bucket and maybe Drew Holiday hit a free throw or something. That was it. That was the only thing that happened other than Jason Tatum in the OT. So on the one hand, thank you, Jason. On the other hand, somebody else do something and I would have covered uh, the other one that I had last night, uh, I got Northwestern. I told you I really like Northwestern on the road at Penn State. Didn't drop the love tag, but I said I really like Northwestern minus the one and a half. Northwestern did win, and they covered. They won 76-72. So I went 1-0 last night. So you could argue, 1-0-1 specifically, you could argue that the heater is still alive. As the heater right now would be 7, 8, 9, 10. 10, 1, and 1 in the last 12 games. I think it's a little bit of a stretch. We'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see what happens tonight. All right, today's games. Don't like anything in the NHL. Full disclosure, I didn't have a chance to check college basketball. You know what? I'm going to do that very quickly. I'm not going to play anything because I didn't really get to study it. But you know what I'm really interested in is knowing what is the spread of ASU-UW. With UW being one and three in the conference, but in my opinion, being a more talented team. Oh my gosh, look at that. UW is a seven-point favorite. They got to cover seven points at home to a team that's 4-0. Look what Vegas thinks of ASU. That's bad. You're the first place team in the conference and they say, you know what, this is what we think of you, that it's uh, that it's that uh, that it's that rough. All right, so I'm not playing that one. Um, I think UW's going to win. I'm confident UW's going to win, but I'm not confident they're going to win by seven. Let's go with, uh, I'm going to take Milwaukee minus the four and a half against the Celtics. Celtics have an overtime game in Boston. The NBA thinks Massachusetts and uh, Milwaukee and Wisconsin are board, are on the same border. So it's a little bit of a difficult trip. Not impossible, but not an easy trip. And you're taking on a great Milwaukee team with rest. I don't think that's a good matchup. I like Milwaukee minus the four and a half against the Celtics. Didn't like anything NHL. Didn't have time to look up NFL, or excuse me, um, uh, college basketball. And I didn't really love another NBA game, so just one game tonight. Sorry if you were looking for me for a lot more. Let's see if my streak keeps going, sitting at 10-0-1, or 10-1-1. That does it for today's version of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwood Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Jacked up to get lunch with uh, Sweet Lou GM of, of Whirlwood Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. I would like to spend some time talking to him about our next event that's out there, an Unplugged Army-sanctioned event, but they are so packed during spring training, he might want to do it in February before spring training gets rolling, or he might want to do it a little later. Maybe we do some kind of Valentine's Day package where there's a spa package that you can get for your wife while you play golf or something like that. If you like that idea, I'll try to push it and uh, and see if we can kind of 
get that set up at, at Whirlwind. That would be a lot of fun and, and have a golf outing around Valentine's Day weekend. And, and that gives us a month to talk about it. So, you know what? Let's let's try to plan on, on doing something like that. Beer Friday tomorrow. Thanks to 100 Mile Brewing Company. I had uh, this week, remember, I went to Bell's National Kitchen. I'm telling you, that chicken tender iceberg salad. Like, I don't know. Why does somebody, I don't get giddy about a salad. That thing was fantastic. Fantastic. Bell's National Kitchen, first ever sponsor of Doug Franz Unplugged. Right off of Scottsdale Road on Main Street. It's on your left if you're headed eastbound, and it's only about 50 feet from the stoplight. So it's right there. Great location. Plenty of parking when it's not spring training time. So hopefully I'll see you out there sometime. If you want a sports bar and you're in Chandler, go to Rosati's. Rosati's at Ray and McQueen. There's Rosati's all over the area, but that's the only one that's a sponsor of Doug Franz Unplugged. And then if anything's going on with your heat this weekend or this month, call Parker and Sons. 602-2-REPAIR. That's 602-REPAIR for Parker and Sons. Heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical. Um, Dana Scott doesn't know it, but I'm texting him here in a little bit. Let's have him on to talk Suns tomorrow. I'll see you then. The main event is up next. Dominate your Thursday.